All right, Joel, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Shvat. To thank Bracha Strimber for dedicating all of the Shurman Drushos this month in memory of her husband, Avi Strimber, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi, Zichron Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We also thank Avi Tobias for dedicating all of the Shiurim this month. In honor of the daf, the beauty of the daf, the beauty of the shir, Baruch Hashem, we thank him very much for his dedication and generosity. And mostly with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Chaf Hey 25. We are picking up on Chaf Dalar Amadeis 24b. And we left off, let's actually pick up Amrali Rabbi Chiyadar Rabbi Shurim Barabi, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 lines up from the bottom. So listen to this conversation. If you were a lady, you would be you would be unfit to go ahead and sing in the base Hamikdash. Why? Because your voice is very deep. So apparently he had a very deep voice, right? And a very non-melodious voice. So he tells him you would not be fit to sing in the base Hamikdash. So listen to this. Asa Amrali Lavua. Rabbi Shimon went and told his father Rabbi about what Rabbi Chia has said to him. Amrali. He said to him, Zil Amalei, why don't you go back and say to Rabbi Chia, Kisha'ata Magia Eitzel, Vechikisi Lahashem, Lonim Tesa Mechari for Megadev. So I will say, interestingly enough, so Rabbi Chia was from a place, Rabbi Chia was from a place that Halakha Lamai said they often used to go ahead and pronounce their ches like a hey. They couldn't pronounce the ch, so they would often say ha. So say so Rebbe says back to his son, go to Rabbi Chia, when you get to the Pasik that says la Hashem, which literally means I will wait for Hashem, if you have an inability to properly pronounce a ches and you pronounce it as a hey, you'll read that as la Hashem, which Khasushala means to hit. So essentially, Rebbe says to us, and go back to Rabbi Chia to mind his own business. Right? Every, everybody's got their thing. He's got his thing also. I'm Ravuna. Zaval gon lo yisa eskapov. So we'll say very, well, we're going to see this theme, by the way, come up in the Yimara a couple of times. This yisod, this yisod that, all kidding aside, everyone has their thing. Right? Everyone has their weakness. Whether it's the way, whether it's your voice, whether it's the way you pronounce certain letters, everyone has their area of imperfection. It's the nature of people. So it's so important in life is to focus on improving your own area of imperfection and not to dwell on the imperfections of others. So the Gemara says, listen to this case, I'm Rav, I'm Rav Huna, Zavalgan o Yises Kapov. A coin, Rabbi Rashi says, Zavalgan is Enov Zolfos Dimo. This is someone ultimately, again, who's eyes perpetually tear. Someone has a tearing issue, right? They're constantly tearing. So the idea is such a person cannot go ahead and, such a person cannot go ahead and dochen. So the Gemara says, I, I remember, the idea behind this entire sugya are things which will be distracting in nature. There's nothing inherently wrong with a coin who has excessive tearing. That's, that's not really a problem. But the idea is it, it serves as a distraction. And as we've seen from the Mishnah, Anything that is distracting, we try not to have when the Kohanim dochen. So the Gemara says, I, I, vahu, vaha, hahu, dava, bishu, say, dirafuna, vava, paris, yade. I, but there was a Zavalgon, there was a guy with excessive tearing in the neighborhood of Rafuna, 
and yet they still allowed him to dochen. Hahudash bi'irahava. So it was an interesting lashon. This was a person who everyone was used to. Look at Rashi. Dash bi'irahava. Kevar hayu regilin anshe iro velo hayu mistaklin ba'od. So you say here's the difference. When when people are accustomed to something, so they don't stare. So this individual, although he had this particular tearing issue, people were accustomed to it, right? And because they were accustomed to it, therefore again, it was not a distraction. So the Gemara says. That supports this zavagal yises kapov, a a person who goes ahead and tears, right? Excessive tearing should not dochin. But if everyone in the city was used to him, in other words, they knew who he was. He was he was a fixture in the city, so therefore it's no longer really a distraction. Ultimately, it's mutter. A person who's blind in one eye should not dochin. Both say see my dear. There's nothing inherently wrong or disqualified about this person, but once again, it's a distraction issue. That's what this comes down to, a fundamental distraction issue. So the Gemara says, therefore such a person shouldn't dochen. I, the Gemara says, I, but there was a guy, a Kohen, who was blind in one eye, and yet he dochened in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yochanan, to which the Gemara says, once again, hahu dash bi'irohava, this was a guy who everyone was used to. So also what you begin to see, let's finish, that supports this, a person who is blind in one eye should not go ahead and but if he's someone ultimately, again, who was known, right, he was recognized in the community, then ultimately it's mother. This really becomes the, this becomes the, the theme, which is, we don't want a coin who possesses any distractions to Dukhin, because it just distracts people. But a distraction is only something that's novel, something that people are used to seeing. The halacha understood no longer serves as a distraction. So you have these things which quote unquote disqualify a coin for Dukhining, but if the people of his city know him and they're used to seeing him, then halacha lamaisi is permitted to Dukhin because the assumption is that his quote unquote issue does not serve as a distraction. Similarly, the Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Mishaya Yadav Tzuvo Oslo Yisa Kapov. So we saw in the Mishnah that Rabbi Yehuda said that Halacha Lamaisa says someone who had, who had dyed hands, let's say someone who works with dyes, and therefore his hands were stained, should not dochen, to which the Gemara says, Tana, Imrov Anshe Ha'ir Melachton Bekach Mutter. We'll say if the majority of the people in the city are dyers, and therefore what? It's common for people to have stained hands, then it's not a distraction. It's the same theme. The concept of a distraction is only something that appears to be out of the norm. But either once it's common, so either if something's common, it's not a distraction, or if something is common in that people are always seeing it, it's not a distraction as well. Beautiful. We'll say let's go back. We're now going to come to some really, really beautiful and fascinating sugis. Haomer, if a person says, any well, so let's say a person says, I'm going to daven for a person normally davens for the Amid, but he says, you know what? I don't like to daven for the Amid in, in colored clothing. Just, that's his thing. I don't like to daven for the Amid in colored clothing. We don't let him daven for the Amid even if he's wearing white clothing. What's the pshat over here? We're going, to, we're going to see. We'll see all of this in the Gemara. But again, in a lot of these things, what we're nervous about is... Does a person have some type of idolatrous hang-up? We'll see. So the Gemara says, any over, any, sorry, I'm sorry, lo yavar besandal. The person says, I will not daven for the omen in sandals. Af and a sandal. Af, over, ain't over af yachaf. 
We don't let him daven even barefoot. So the Gemara says, Afiachaf lo yavar, haoset tfilasu agula, sakana, vein ba mitzvah. If a person makes his tfilin round, his shalrosh round, so first of all it says sakana, it poses a danger, and not only that, there is no, there is no mitzvah, right? One does not fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin because the Allah Moshe Misinai is that tefillin have to be square. So the Gemara goes right there. Not no al metzcho So I remember again when the Torah describes the mitzvah of tefillin, it describes it as bein enecha, right? Between I should say al yadcha on your hand and bein enecha between your eyes. If a person were to literally put the tefillin ultimately on the palm of their hand, or on their forehead, in between their eyes, this is the way, ultimately, again, of being a min. I will say min, apikores, these are all terms, often used synonyms, the Ram and Hilchos Tshuva, describes them each as being separate categories, but the idea is, if Rashi says, a min is someone, ultimately, again, who, according to this usage over here, who does not believe in Torah Shabbat Peh. So this person goes ahead and literally disregards what Rashi calls Medrash Chachamim. This min, this is a person ultimately again who rejects Torah Shabbat Peh. If a person went ahead and covered his tefillin in gold, which sounds like a very beautiful idea, or he places it on his sleeve, this is the way of the outsiders. They both say, what does this mean, outsiders? Rashi says, This is the way of people who follow their own logic of things and do not go ahead and rely on the das of the chachamim. Good. So we'll say, let's analyze the Mishnah. Beautiful Mishnah. Says the Gemara, my timer. So we'll say, what's the problem? If a guy says, I don't want to daven for the Ahmed wearing colored clothing, we, only let, we won't even let him daven wearing white clothing. What's the pshat? Chayshinon Shema Minos Nizraka. We are concerned that ultimately, again, perhaps some apikarsus, right, has taken hold of him. Look at Rashi. Derech Minos Shema Minos Nizraka. Haminin Makpidin We'll say, so sometimes you'll find in Navo the Zara, they're makbid about stuff like this, right? To only go ahead and wear white when going ahead and worshiping their particular deity. So when someone introduces things that are not part of our, that are not part of our halacha, not part of our hashkafa, we are concerned that it's reflective ultimately again of idolatrous ideologies. So ultimately, again, if a person makes his tefillin, his shalrosh, round. So first of all, there's a sakana, there's an element of danger, and there is no mitzvah. Well, it's an interesting idea in general. Hagna the tefillin are supposed to be square. The truth is, the Torah doesn't make any mention of it. So the Torah doesn't make any mention of tefillin being black, right? Or for that matter, again, the number of parashos, how the parashos are arranged, all of these things delivered from Not only that, but how the tefillin are sewn. And the diagonal of the tefillin, also all of these details are all a halacha l'moshem yisina. What are we talking about over here? In the, in the Mishnah, we're talking about someone who made a shalrosh, Round like a nut. So ultimately, again, 
the idea over here is that a person who makes it like that, first of all, they're not in conformance with the halacha. Second of all, there was concern about sakana, because since tefillin is often put right by this by a soft spot in the skull, right? Ultimately, again, if it's round and there's impact, it can chas go ahead and cause sakana for the individual. Beautiful. We'll say what you also begin to see from this mishnah, which is really very interesting, is that is that. You know, Yiddishkeit, you know, in general, Judaism, halacha, has the things that it's makbid on and has things that it's not makbid on. When we start introducing chumrus and hakpadus that are not part of our system, so by definition, so by definition, what ends up happening? Hareze derech minos, the Gemara says, that, that's, we're, we're, where, where is that coming from? It happens to be very interesting, it has to be very interesting, where the, uh, where the, the example the Mishnah gives, in terms of if a person says, right, the person says, I'm only going to go ahead and daven in white, right? So, when you introduce things, it looks very nice, I'm only davening in white, it looks very beautiful, that's fine, but when you introduce things and you try to institutionalize things, that are not part, necessarily part of our Mesora, not part of our Hashkafa, Chumras, that are not part of the way we live. So the Gemara says, Harizah Derech Minos, that, that's, that's not Yiddishkeit. We've got enough on our, on our theological plate, right? You know, we've, we have Baruch Hashanah, beautiful Torah, voluminous Torah. So again, we don't need to bring in additional things in order to make things more complicated as a form of Avodah Hashem. A very profound Yisor in terms of, again, Chumras have their place, and additional stringencies have their place in order to preserve halacha, but how careful we have to be about institutionalizing chumras and taking things that are not necessarily part of the body of Yiddishkeit and making them like a 614th mitzvah. Something, something to think about. Says the Mishnah, such a profound Gemara. Someone who says, which means the good ones should bless you. This is the way of non-believers. What's the problem with that? Look at Rashi. Because ultimately, again, what you're saying is only good people have an obligation to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, look at this beautiful Rashi. Rashi says, Because again, so a person is excluding the wicked from the praise of God. And I said, look how beautiful this is. So remember again, you're saying Ketores. So in Ketores, one of the spices we have is Chelbina. And Rashi says over here, Chelbina is a putrid smelling spice. Yet is counted amongst, right? It's counted as part of the ingredients, the herbs of the Ketores. The Musr of Chelbina being included in Ketores is what? You cannot have kitores without putrid smell. You cannot have kitores without rishoim. You can't have cloudy srel without a cross section of ami. So I will say we're going to talk about this tonight in the Chassidus Chabura a little bit. You know, it's an amazing thing that we forget that what achtos means. Do you know what achtos really requires? Achtos means tzadikim and rishoim, right? Achtos means. Shomre Shabbos and Mechalalei Shabbos, right? Achtos means Ochle Kashros and Ochle Tarfos. And that's what Achtos is. You see, we often look at Achtos is, Achtos means I'm going to get along with my friends, right? And I'm going to get along with the people who are, who are like me. 
That's not achtos. Achtos means literally rishayim. Also, it's it's every it's everyone. It's everyone. Now, we'll say to be clear, when we say rishayim, so obviously there are some people who, through their actions, put themselves outside of klavisa. People who hurt other hurt other people. People who abuse other people. We're not talking about that. That's a different kind of rishos. Different kind of rishos. But lamaisa, what you begin to see is something absolutely amazing. Even the person who's mamish putrid, right, in the way that he's living his life, he's not living according to Torah, not living according to mitzvahs. Such a person like that is part of the Ketorahs as well. So this is incredible. So a person who says, Yivarchucha tovim, which I don't know, sounds like such a nice praise, right? The good people should praise you. That is apikarsus. That's apikarsus. Because it's not just the good people who have a seat at the praise table of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's every single Jew, even the ones who are putrid, in their actions, even those who are foul smelling in their actions, have a place at the table as well. So beautiful. On the wings of birds. Right? Your 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 compassion should come. Offer good things. Your name should be remembered. Modim modim, or a person says modim modim. We'll discuss what that means. In all these cases, I will say, Mishaskin also. If a person said any of these things, we silence them. What's very interesting, Mechanaba Arayas means someone who explains the laws of immorality as a metaphor. This is a person who says, the Torah is not really coming to tell you that certain immoral relationships are usr, rather it's a metaphor, right? The Arayas are a metaphor for something else. So the Gemara says, Meshaskin also. Ultimately, we silence him because it's not a metaphor. It's halacha. Person who interprets the pasuk that says from your offspring you should not give to Molech. The Rebbe say, now remember again, Molech. Rashi points out over here wasn't Avodah right? Where again you'd have a path through two fires, right? And they would make children. It was a child sacrifice ideology. They would make child walk through the path, and more often than not, the child was incinerated by the fires as he or she walked through. So a person who interprets that pasuk to mean lo sitein la abra ba a person interprets that to mean, don't have a child with a non-Jewish woman. That's what the Torah means. When it says, don't give your children over to Molech, it means, don't have a child with a non-Jewish woman. Because if you have a child with a non-Jewish woman, you're effectively giving that child over to Avodah Zarah. Now, now that statement is unequivocally true. Don't have a child with a non-Jewish woman. That's unequivocally true. Because one who does so ultimately is giving their child over to a different theology, of course. But that's not what the Pasuk means. <laughs> right? The Pasuk is saying, the Pasuk is saying, don't give your children over to Molech. Don't give your children over to Avodazara. So Meshaskin also Benazifa. You know, we go ahead and we go ahead and we silence him, you know, in a stark fashion. Nazifa literally, Nazifa sometimes can mean like a slap, and Nazifa sometimes can mean just like berating someone. The idea is that we, we you know, we, we, we give it to them. We give it to them. Now, both like, remember, it's not that what they're saying is wrong. It is true. You cannot go ahead and have a child with a non-Jewish woman. So it's not, it's not the issue of what they're saying is false. It's the issue of taking a pasuk and misinterpreting it. Look at Rashi. Rashi is Meshaskin Asob and Azifa. Sha'okir akasavi mashma'o shu'u avodas chok la'amoraim la'haver b'neim la'esh. The no sin kares lavo alakus. The idea over here is twofold. First of all, you're, you're misinterpreting the pasuk. 
So in other words, the statement is right, but the misinterpretation of the Pasuk is what concerns us. Rashi also says over here, Furthermore, if a person gives over their child to to Shalom, to Molech, um, there is a there is a chi of kares. If you interpret the pasuk as a man having a child with a non-Jewish woman, you make that an offense punishable by kares. Now, I will say that's not true. You're not supposed to have a child with a non-Jewish woman, but if a Jewish man does so, it's not a chi of kares, right? It's not kares. So by misinterpreting the pasuk, you're also creating you're also creating a a legal a legal falsehood. So there's a multiple problems. So the idea is Mishaskinosob and Azifa. That's why, interesting enough, out of everything mentioned over here, this one gets the strongest response because not only is it a misinterpretation of the Pasuk, but it also creates it also creates a legal falsehood, which can have very serious, serious ramifications. So it says the Gimabishama Modim Modim, the Mercedes. So I understand if a guy says Modim Modim, why we silence him? Because we'll say, what does Modim Modim look like? What does it look like? Dualism. It's like talking, talking to two gods. I understand also why we silence a person when he says, for the good, God, your name should be remembered. Why? Because what does that make it sound like? That makes it sound like a Kaddish Baruch whose name should be remembered for good, but not for other things. Which makes it sound like the Rebono Shalom is only involved in the good things in life. And there's some other power that's involved in the negative. And I will say, we know that one of our theological underpinnings is that a person is obligated to bless HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the things that we perceive as negative in the same way that we are obligated to bless HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the good. Such an incredible yisod. So says the Gemara, and Rashi points out over here. On Tov we say Baruch Hatov Hametiv, and on Ra we say Baruch Dayan Emes. Say Baruch Dayan Emes. So therefore, when you say Yivarhu Hatovim, that ultimately, I'm sorry, when you go ahead and you say, when you go ahead and you say Allah Tov Yizachar Shemecha, your name should be remembered for the good. That's acknowledging Hakadosh Baruch Hu's role in the good, but removing God's role in that which we perceive as bad. And that's, that's theologically flawed. Says the Gemara, however, What's wrong with the phrase, on the wings of birds, right, your compassion should come? Which I will say is obviously a reference to what? To the mitzvah of Kan Sipor. And I'm saying, right, so again, I'm supposed to send away the mother bird before I take the eggs. That's the mitzvah of Kan Sipor. So I'm saying, right, on the wings of birds, your compassion should come. What's wrong with that statement? Because it's fascinating. So, there was in Eretz Yisrael. Rav Yossi Bar Avon, Rav Yossi Bar Zvida. Chadamar, one opinion said, So one opinion said, because you're creating animosity amongst creations. What was the meaning of saying that halach halamaisa You're creating a situation where a person you're saying the emotional has compassion on the birds, but not on other things. So in other words, you're creating. So why does Kashbarah have compassion on the birds and not on the cows or not not on the sheep or not on the fish? So you're creating animosity within within the order of creation. Rashi says over here lomar ala ofos chas. So Chadam or the other opinion said, So we'll say very profound. The other opinion said, no, because what you're doing is you are ascribing reasons to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's actions. When, so in other words, when you see that presupposes what? That presupposes what? 
that why do we send away the mother bird? Why? Why? Out of compassion. How, how do you know it's because of compassion? I have a better idea. You know what? If you're so compassionate, what should you do? What should you do? Don't eat eggs. Right? Don't eat eggs. That's even more compassionate. In other words, by going ahead and saying, so also, the, the, and this is an incredible you saw it in general, which is the need to go ahead and accept the fact that sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mitzvahs, they're xeros. There's nothing wrong with us trying to find, to understand reasoning behind things, right? That's natural. And Chesh Baruch Hu encourages that. But there's also a certain level where I accept the mitzvos of the Ribbono Shal Olam as just that, mitzvos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me to do something, so I'm going to do something. Would I like to understand the reasons behind it? Of course, of course. But at the end of the day, it's a gzera. And I will say, it's sometimes it's hard for us to accept this, but I think that this is the, this is the cornerstone to successful Yiddishkeit. Because the moment that my observance and my fulfillment of mitzvahs is predicated on understanding things, I'm going to run up against a, 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 a really stiff theological wall. Because first of all, there are things I don't understand. That, 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 that's Aleph. And there are mitzvahs that I'm not going to understand. And ultimately, the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are not understandable. And that's why it's so important in the cultivation of our proper spiritual identities to recognize on a most basic level, I am a soldier of the Ribbono Shalom. And a soldier has one obligation, which is to listen to orders. And the truth is, the way an army works, the way an army works, is at the end of the day, everybody follows orders. And we'll say, you follow, I just saw there was a news article. Remember this, um, the Marine captain who posted, who posted the video. What's his name? Scheller. Post, you know, when they were pulling out of Afghanistan, pulling out of Bagram Air, uh, Air Force Base, and you know, he went ahead and you know, he posted this thing blasting everything. And it's very interesting because obviously, again, here was a man who dedicated his life, who was willing to risk his life to go ahead and defend the country and defend the ideals. But th- there's a concept, and it's, they had an interview with him yesterday, it was fascinating. He lost everything, right? Forget about his military position. His wife left him, his friends left, like he, he lost everything. And it was fascinating, why? Because in military culture, military culture, you're part of the team and you do what you have to do. You have a problem, there's, there's, a way, there's a way to deal with the problem, but it's not Facebook. Facebook is not the way to deal with anything, right? That's a different discussion, right? But, 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 Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, it's so fascinating. See, he, the man lost, again, very principled individual, it must be, but he lost everything. And it's, it's an incredible usual because what it means to be a Jew is I'm a soldier. Soldiers follow orders. That, that's what I do. That's what I do. And the army only works if everyone does what they're supposed to do. The, the Yiddishkeit works. The religion works when we do what we're supposed to do. Either are going to be things I don't understand. Of course, that's the way life works. But that's when your commitment is truly tested. So a person says, Who says? Who says it's Rachamim? Who says it's Rachamim? How do you know? How do you know what it is? So let's listen to this. There was a guy who came before Rabbah. So Amar Atta Chastal Kansipor Atta Chusvrachimon. So let's say the guy is davening and he comes up with this formulation. He says, Ribon Shalom. He's davening for the Amen. And he says, Baruch Hu, you had compassion upon the bird's nest. You should have compassion upon us. Amar Rabbah, Kama Yoda Haimi Rabbana Lurat Rabbah said, Wow, beautiful. Beautiful. What a great Shliach Tzibor. Only Abai Bahamashaskin also Tanan. Abai says, Really? We learned in the Mishnah that Allah Khalamai says someone says something like that, we silence him. 
It's will say, Rabbah was just testing Abaye, right? Jehu was testing him. In other words, you see this value throughout Gemara, that sometimes, again, people would say things that were clearly wrong in order to make sure that the others, the other right, the Talmudim were paying attention and to sharpen them. Beautiful. So also listen to this. There was a man who came before Rabbi Hanina who was davening for the Amid. Amr, hakel hagodol hagibar vanora ha'adir v'achazak va'amitz. So he decided, Kel Gadol Gibar, right, is not enough. We got to add in there, Adir, Chazik, Amitz, which all means strong, Amrale, Saimitinhu, Lishvachi, Dimarach. Shabbi Kharina says to the guy, Are you done? Right? Are you done? That's it. You captured all of the praise. You got everything. So the Gemara says, "Hani tlasa ilad de kasinu Moshe ba'araisa vasu knesak dolo betakninu analo aminalu." So also Rabbi Chanina says something amazing. Had Moshe Rabbeinu not said "Kel Gadol Giber Nora" and actually knesak dolo codified it from Tzvila, we wouldn't have even said those. We wouldn't have even said those. Vaat amrit kuli hai, and now you're saying all of these praises. Second wide line of Bosei. Mushal, listen, now listen to this. You ask yourself, I understand, what's wrong with this? What's wrong? So a person wants to add on praises to HaKadosh Baruch what's, what's the problem with that? So listen to this. This is comparable say, to a person who was fabulously wealthy, had all the gold, all the gold. Also, listen to this. Can you imagine you go over to a rich person who has a lot of gold and you say to him, wow, I heard you're so successful, you have so much silver. You have so much silver. So said, the Gemara says, right? You're not praising him, right? By underestimating his wealth, you're actually slighting him. So the Gemara says, the truth is, the truth is, we shouldn't praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all. Why shouldn't we praise him? Why shouldn't we praise him? Because any praise is going to fall short. It always falls short. Okay, so you, Moshe Rabbeinu praised him. Anshik Nesas the codified that praise. We'll use that. That, that's, that's ultimately what we'll use. But we're not going to add on to that because if you add on, one thing is absolutely unequivocally clear, which is, I'm going to fall short. So I'll say, which is, which, is, which is so fascinating that sometimes if you can't articulate things properly, sometimes better not to say it at all, which is an incredible you saw it in life in general. Right? So here, I can't properly articulate the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so I'm going to go ahead and just leave it. I'll say what Moshe said, said, but that's it. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Everything is in the hands of the Ribbono Shal Olam except fear of heaven, which Abosai means. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we saw this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu controls everything, 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 except for your ruchnius, for your spirituality, how holy you're going to become, the personal identity, you're, that's what you're shamayimim, the personal identity you're going to carve out for yourself, that's up to you. Tall or short, not up to you. Smart, not smart, not up to you. Wealthy, poor, not up to you. Good looking, average looking, not up to you. All of those things are predetermined by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have to put in my Ishtadl, especially for things like wealth, for things like wisdom. But at the end of the day, the capacity for those things is determined by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The one thing in this world that I control is my spiritual identity. Who I am, that is the only thing I have complete shlita over. Shnemar, the Atto Yisrael, Ma'ashem Elokech Hashem Imach, Kiyem Miyira. So I will say, so the Gemara Moshe Avinu says, and now, Klal Yisrael, what does Hashem ask of you except to fear Him? So I will say, what Moshe Avinu is essentially in the Klal Yisrael is, look, Klal Yisrael, Hashem does everything else. He's going to control all of the other factors in life. 
The only thing you control is if you fear him. The only thing you control is your Ruchnius. So the Gemara says, by the way, Michlal, Dira Milsa Zutrasahi, that Moshe Ayin makes it sound like Dira fearing a Kodesh Baruch was such a small thing, like all you have to do, the only thing you have to do, the only thing I have to do, I, my whole life is a struggle to have a proper relationship with Hashem. My whole life is a struggle for Ruchnius. Moshe Ayin makes it sound like such a little thing, to which the Gemara gives an interesting answer in. In Legabe Moshe Milsa Zutrasahi. Yes, for Moshe Rabbeinu, this was a small thing. So I will say, again, if we have time, we'll loop back to this. You know, so, so all the Mepharshim asked, that's fine, but it doesn't answer the question. Moshe is not talking to Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to us. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to us. But Lamaisa, again, so if we have time, we'll come back to this. There's so much on this piece, Rabbi. Nachman has a magnificent piece on this as well. If we have a little bit of time here, so I'll come back to it. But we'll say, but even without any further Hezber, what a profound Gemara. We spend all of our time focusing on things that often we don't control. And we tend to neglect the one thing we do control. We get so upset over what other people do, how other people talk, how other people behave, right? And I have no control over other people. We get so upset over things that happen in our lives that often, again, we have no control over. And the one thing I do control which is the person who I am, the identity I carve out, the persona that I create, that's the only thing I control in this world, all too often is neglected and relegated to a tier of secondary importance. This, Rabbi says is what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, your wealth, you put in your work, but that's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Your family, you put in your work, but that's up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Fill in the blank. Everything, everything, everything. Put in the shtadlos, but it's to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The only thing for which you control the results and the outcome is the person you choose to become. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Marshal the other So we'll say, with Moshe Rabbeinu, it could be compared to a person. Let's say I go over to a person and I want to borrow a large utensil. See, if he has it, don't love kikli katan. If he has it, it's comparable to a small utensil. So katan ve'en lo, but if a person ultimately again has, or if I ask him for a small utensil, but he doesn't have it, don't love kikli gadol. It's like a large utensil. In other words, we'll say, when a person has something, he doesn't recognize the greatness of it. If he doesn't have it, he recognizes the greatness of it. So when Moshe Rabbeinu speaks at Yira Shamayim, Moshe Rabbeinu possessed so much of it, that ultimately, again, when he asks, when he speaks about it to Klal Yisrael, he doesn't appear, quote-unquote, to be such a big deal because he possessed so much of it. But sometimes if I possess little of it, unfortunately, then it becomes like a dramatic uphill battle. So beautiful. Once again, the dualism asks the dualism issue. Really? Listen to this. A person says Shema and then repeats it. It's not a good thing. Now, Maguna means disgusting. Not a good thing. So the Gemara says, It's not good. It's not good. But Lamai said, doesn't sound like we silence him. To which the Gemara says, You're right. So the Gemara, Lokasha, Hadamar Milsa, Milsa, Vitanila, Hadamar Psuka, Psuka, Vitanila. Both say, Listen to this. Everything depends on how you're saying Shema. If you go ahead and you say Shema, Shema, Hashem, Hashem, right? Shema, sorry, Shema, Shema, Yisrael, Yisrael, Hashem, Hashem. I look at, you repeat each word. So that's a meaningless statement, right? That, that doesn't mean anything, right? That doesn't have any significance. So something like that, something that, that's Maguna. So that's not nice. But again, ultimately, we're not going to silence anyone because what he's saying is nonsensical. 
Now, if you say, and you repeat it again, that's when the Mishnah says, because what does it look like? It looks like, you're talking to two gods. So that's when we get more concerned. This is great. So listen to this. Well, one second. Maybe when a guy is repeating the Pasuk of Shema, what happened the first time? He didn't have Kavana. He didn't have Kavana. So why is he repeating it now again? Because he wants to have Kavana. Suppose they listen to this. So Rav says, Chavrusa klape Shmaya. What is God? Is God your Chavrusa? Ilo mechavein daite. You know what? If you don't have kavana, machinili ba'arzafta dinafcha ad the mechavein daite. I'll hit him over the head with a blacksmith's hammer until he has kavana. Okay, that works also. Right? You know what I'm saying? So not 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 really a contemporarily effective educational methodology, but but you understand, right? So so we'll say it's amazing. So what Rav is saying over here, Rav is incensed. What does this mean? Person says shema without kavana. Person says shada. What kashbarach is your chavrusa? Right, Baruch is your buddy that you could just talk to and repeat stuff. How do you talk to Hakadosh Baruch Hu without kavana? How do you dialogue with the Ribbono Shel Olam if you not have you haven't prepared yourself for that dialogue? I will say, it's such a profound gemara, such an incredibly profound gemara. Rava can't fathom the idea that a person is going to talk to the Ribbono Shel Olam without first mustering the requisite kavana. And I will say, it's something for us to, to kind of pay attention to. You know, there are different parts of davening. Not every part of davening is speaking to HaKadosh Baruch The truth is, Berchos HaShachar and ultimately Psuke de Zimra is not talking to Hashem. It's really us talking to ourselves. It's articulating, certain, it's expressing gratitude and talking about the greatness of God. Speaking to HaKadosh Baruch really begins... At Shema, it really even begins at Shemona Esrei. Shema, once again, is a theological statement about HaKadosh Baruch Hu to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Rabbi says, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. It's, I don't, I don't, it's, not every part is a dialogue with God, but the parts that aren't dialogical, I have to prepare myself to be ready for that dialogue with Kabbalah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not my Chavrusa that I could talk to without meaning it. It's incredible, Musar. So the Imara goes back like, to somebody who explains the Arayos, the, the laws of immorality in a, in a metaphorical, euphemistic way. We silence him. Tanarav Yosef, Kalon Avevikalonimo. Bosa, what would be an example of explaining the Arayos in, in a metaphorical way? The Torah says, You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father. Right? Shabosa means you're not allowed to go and have relations with your father's wife. Right? Or the nakedness of your mother. So the Gemara says, the person who explains that, what does that metaphorically mean? You shouldn't divulge disparaging things about your parents. That's what it means. It doesn't literally mean anything about any type of forbidden sexual encounters. Much rather, it means you shouldn't divulge secrets. Right? So the Gemara says, somebody who explains a rayas like that, that's a misinterpretation of the phrase. Of the buzzing and every we silence them. Or Mizara Khalos eating Labir, Tanderi Shmo, Bi Sala Bala Kusis volume and Bella Vodazar Kosum and Dabir. This is a person once again who says that the prohibition of Molech is referring it's just is explaining what we said in the mission already, is referring to someone who says the Pasik doesn't mean giving your child to Molech, it means having a child with a non-Jewish woman, because that is effectively giving your children over to Avodazara. Again, we stop him because that is a misinterpretation of the Pasik. Mishnah. Uh-huh. Really fascinating, Sugya. The episode of Ruvain 
is read but not translated. So again, remember, in the shul we have a Torgaman. The Torgaman's job is to explain the Pesukim that we read. We're now going to see there are certain things that we read, but we don't translate. And the reason we don't translate them, because remember, as much as the Torgaman is going to do a good job translating, he's not getting into Major Mefarshim over here, right? We've got to move. We've got to move. So he's giving a very cursory translation. There are certain things which in order to go ahead and really understand them, require a more profound translation explanation. Because the Torgamon is not going to have time to do that, we essentially have him not explain things in, in we have we just we have him unexplained. So the episode of Reuben is a good example of this. Remember again, the Torah says that Reuben slept with Bilhah. Now we know Reuben didn't sleep, sleep with Bilhah's father's wife. What did he do? He moved his father's bed. But that's a whole Rashi. That's a whole Rashi. Therefore, the Gemara said, Mishnah says, The episode of Tamar, Nebo said, we're going to see what this refers to. Well, actually, we'll see what it refers to. But we assume that the Maisa of Tamar is Tamar and Yehuda. Right? Tamar and Yehuda. So the story of Tamar and Yehuda ultimately, again, is read and explained. The first story of the golden calf is read and translated. The second one is read and not translated. I will say, the first one is when it happened. The second one is when Aaron told it over to Moshe. So we'll see the first time we read it and translate it. Second time we just read it and we don't translate it. Berchas Kohanim. So Berchas Kohanim. We'll say Yivrech Hashem. Maise David va'amnon. The episode of David and Amnon. Right? So we'll say we'll see exactly what this means in the Gemara. Nikron v'lomet argument. These stories are read, but they are not translated. They're not translated they're not translated. Emaftir Merkava. We don't use the Maister Merkava. But say, remember, Maister Merkava is the esoteric vision of of Yecheskel. We do not use it as a Torah. For Rabbi Huda, Matir. Rabbi Huda says you can. Rabbi Lezer Omer, Emaftir Behold the Yushlaim. Rabbi Lezer says we also don't use as a Torah. Hold the Yushlaim. Now, both say that's also in Yecheskel. What's wrong with using Hold the Yushlaim as a Torah? So the rest of that passage is Hold the Yushlaim as Torah The Navi talks about the the abominations that were happening in Yerushalayim at the time of the Chorban. So because it's disparaging to Yerushalayim, we don't go ahead and read it as a Haftorah. Says the Gemartan Rabbanon, Yesh Nikrenu Maybe Yesh There are certain things that we read and we translate, and certain things that we, that we read and we don't translate. Yesh Lo Nikrenu And then there are some things that we don't read at all, but Sibor, and we don't translate. So the Gemara says, Elu Nikrenu Metargumen. So Balat Akan Nashpa. Simon, here we go. So my Sebereshes, so we'll say, watch this. The Gemara is now going to go through a more exhaustive list. My Severatius, the Genesis narrative, Nikro Umetargim, is read and translated. So Pshita, so the Gemara says, that's obvious. In other words, why, why would you think that we're not, that we don't read the Genesis narrative? I will say, watch this. Because we're concerned that we, we might have thought that we're concerned. Also, once you read the story of creation, people are going to ask, Malamalo, Malamata, what is above, what is below? Amadeis, Uma Lifnim, Uma Laachar. What's before and what's after? In other words, I will say, you might think that reading the Genesis narrative might go ahead and spark a whole bunch of conversations about, well, what was before Beratius? What does it mean astonishingly empty? Did there was anything here before Hashem, after Hashem? In other words, it sparks a whole bunch of theological questions that what? That what? That we can't really answer. Kamash no. Kamash say, the Kamash is we read my Beratius, we go ahead and we explain it. And we know it'll spark questions. And you know what the Kamash teaches me? It's okay to have theological questions that you cannot answer. It's okay. 
It's okay. That's part of what belief is. Belief is the ability to mean, to believe in something even though you can't answer all of the questions. Incredible. The story of Lot and his two daughters is read and translated. That's obvious. You might have thought you have to be on the cover of Avram Avim, is Avram's nephew. And he's sleeping with his two daughters. I might have thought that maybe we should just leave that story out. Kamash no, Kamash that we read it, and I both say we read it for a very important reason. Remember again, who comes from Lot? Who comes from Lot? Right? Is ultimately Rus, David Amelech. Right? So I will say, so again, it's very important, very important. One of the ways the Maral of Prague writes, they will say, if you think about it, by the way, our monarchy comes like from the strangest places, right? Our monarchy comes from the story of Lot and his two daughters on one side, and on the other side, on the other side, it's Yehuda and Tamar. Right? So the Maharal says it's by design. It says in Gurari, it's by design. Why? It's the best way to keep the monarchy humble. Because if the monarchy, if the king ever gets a little too carried away with himself, you know what you say? We say, king, hey, king, let's learn a little Sefer Chavrus and Sefer Bereshus. Let's learn about the Babas and the Zedas. Right? Let's, let's see how that, right, how that. And I will say, it keeps, it, it's, it's, it's profound. It keeps the monarchy humble. You know, every other monarchy, the Maharal says, prides itself on its coat of arms and its pedigree and its this and its that. We also have an illustrious pedigree. But our monarchy, interesting, comes from these interesting stories to keep the king grounded. Credible Yehuda is read and translated. So Pshita, that's obvious. I might have shouldn't translate it. Because maybe there's covet, right? Yehuda went to a harlot. Maybe, maybe, maybe out the covet to Yehuda, we shouldn't read it. Kamash Malon Shvachihu Daudu. No, because the story of Abosai is the greatest praise to Yehuda. Why is it the greatest praise to Yehuda? Abosai? Why? Because he owned the situation. See, Abosai, that people do things that, that are questionable or that look strange to us, that's human nature. But the godless of that story is that Yehuda could have said nothing. Maintained his covet, right? His, right? His, his, his standing, and no one said, but he owns it. And part of owning it, by the way, was admitting the fact that he went to a woman who he thought was a harlot, was fathering a child with this woman, right? Ultimately, he owned it. And that is the greatest shakha, which is so incredible. The greatest praise that you could give a person in life, or the greatest accomplishment that a person could have, is own your circumstances. Own your decisions. So often when things don't go exactly how we want in life, we punt, we deflect, we blame. But the greatest praise is when you find the courage to own it. Incredible. Incredible. So I'll say the first time, right, when he sit in the golden calf, we read, we read and we translate. Pshita, that's obvious. You might have thought that maybe we shouldn't translate the story of the golden calf because we should maintain the covet of Klal Yisrael. To which the Gemara says, no, because the embarrassment over the Chet Ego is part of the Kapara, is part of the atonement. This was very interesting. Curses and blessings contained in the Torah are read and translated. And we'll say, get ready for this. So Pshita, of course they are read and translated. Mountain Ojrav thought, you might have thought that ultimately, again, this would have a negative effect, right, on the spirit of the congregation. So what does that mean? What does that mean? So it's incredible. No, by the way, there are rewards and there are punishments. And if you do the right thing, you get the rewards. And if you do the wrong things, you get punishment. I, it's scary. 
great, life is scary. Right? That, that's the way it works. There are consequences to all of our actions. We'll say, get ready for this. As haras va'onshin, nikrodamitargamin. Right? So we'll say, ultimately, again, warnings, which are labim, onshin, punishments, are read and translated. So Yimar says, pshita, it's obvious. We'll say, get ready for this. Mount what would you have thought? Nechash dilma asuleme avin miira. You might have thought that if you read and you translate lavim, prohibitions and punishments, then people are going to come to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of yira, out of fear, that they want to avoid the punishments and the lavim. So I would have thought, therefore, we shouldn't translate them. Kamash Malon, no. Kamash Malon translate. And I say, what does the Kamash Malon teach us? What does that teach us? What does that teach us? That an element of yira in our avodas Hashem is good. Is good. See, I said, it's true in every relationship, right? Why does a person remain committed to their marriage, right? And not seek fulfillment outside of the parameters of their marriage. Why? So part of it, hopefully, is because of an upstanding moral code. And the other part of it is what? Being scared of ramifications. Right? So I say, Yira is a necessary ingredient in every relationship. So we like to say that, no, Akash Baruch Ava, 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 all love and wonderful. Ava's great. And Ava should be the dominant feature of our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. But there must always be a sprinkling of Yira because Yira is what creates, is what creates the, the, the knowledge of ramification. Let's say, think about this. Parents who spoil their children or never discipline their children. If there's no Yira in the way a person raises their child, that's it, it's done. It's done. If there's no discipline, if there's no fear of ramifications or repercussions, you can't expect your child to follow the rules. So I'm a child of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There has to be an element of Yira in my Avodah Hashem as well. So incredible. Ma'isa Amnon v'Tamar. Nikram v'Tagim. So also remember the story of Amnon and Tamar. Amnon and Tamar were children of David HaMelech. Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Right? That's, what, that's the story of Amnon and Tamar. That story is read and translated. Ma'isa Hashem Nikram Hashem Pshita Ma'odetema Lechosh liyakre to David. You might have thought that maybe we shouldn't translate this story because this is what's happening with the children of David and Melech. And maybe we just alt the covet of David. We just shouldn't translate this story. Kamash Walon we do. Kamash Walon we do. The story of Pilegesh Begiva Rabose, which is where the story of, remember again, the man who was traveling through the tribal area of Binyamin and his Pilegesh, his concubine, was, was raped by the men of Binyamin. A tragic and overwhelming story. That story is read and translated. Pshita. That's obvious. Malditema. Lechosh Lechvodo de Binyamin. First, end of the first wide line. You might have thought we shouldn't read it. Kamash Malano. Kamash Malan, ultimately again, we read it. I suppose say, listen to this. The Pasik says, Hold this, Yushalayim. The Pasik of Hold this, Yushalayim. Ultimately again, let it be known the abominations of Yushalayim. So says the Gemara, that is read and translated. Pshita, that's obvious. La Fuki Midrebi Eliezer. This comes to exclude the position of Rabbi Eliezer. Desanya, I will say, watch this story. Incredible. Desanya. There was once a story of a man who was standing by Rabbi Eliezer. Literally, he was, he was reading the Pesukim above Rabbi Eliezer. He was standing by Rabbi Eliezer and he said, he was reading, and he was reading out loud this Pasuk, right? Let it be known in Yerushalayim, all of its abominations. So most of Rabbi Eliezer here is just get ready for this story. Listen, buddy. Before you go ahead and you start speaking about the abominations of Yerushalayim, say ubadot betovas imecha. Why don't you go check out the abominations of your mother? 
Wow. Wow. Good. I want to dive in there. Right? That's, a, that's, a, that's an exciting place. Right? So also, so the Gemara says, Sure enough, they checked into the genealogy of this guy, and ultimately they found some disqualifying factor. So I will say, this is really very interesting. The idea over here, did Rabbi, first of all, just, just a profound Gemara, because that's what we said before, that Rabbi Lezer was saying, you know, before you go ahead and talk about the abominations of Yerushalayim, or the abominations or misdeeds of someone else, make sure your own affairs are in order. What's the expression? People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. As I was saying, so often we're so quick to jump on the shortcomings or faults of another person. And yet, we don't have our own affairs in order. So Elijah says, before you go ahead and jump on the abominations of Yerushalayim, make sure the abominations of your own mishpacha are in order. So incredible. And again, even aside from Yerushalayim, again, we're so quick to jump on the shortcomings and faults. We see something we don't like, boom, we jump, we jump. Do we do that with our own shortcomings? Do we do that with our, are we, are we so exacting? Are we, as, are we as exacting with ourselves as we are with others? Or often when it comes to my own shortcomings, I'm willing to let them slide. When it comes to my own misdeeds, I'm willing to let them slide. I, but when someone else does something, then I'm a kanoi. Then I'm like Pinchas, spear in hand, ready to go can't live that way. It's a disingenuous way to approach life. First, take care of your own stuff, and once your own house is in order, then ultimately you have the right to go ahead and jump on the misdeeds of others. The story of Ruben is read and not translated. Let's listen to this. I don't know if this is actually like Kabul, right? But one time Rabbi Chani ben Gamil went to Kabul, right? And what happens? Listen to this. So we'll say, this is the Pasuk. It says, and, right? So we'll say, this is the Pasuk that says, when Yisrael, Yaakov was living by Eretz then it says, Ruven Ruven went and slept with Bila, So, so Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina ben Amil is in Kabul, and he hears the Balkori say to the Turgaman, essentially, translate the beginning of the Pasuk, the end of the Pasuk, but not the middle of the Pasuk. So the Gemara says, and the, they gave him a shkayah. They thought the Bakari was doing the right thing. So remember again, this first story of the eagle is read and translated. The second one is not. What's, my, what's the second story? So again, it's the retelling of Aaron. So listen to this. This will stop. There are two reasons why we don't translate the second story of the Ego. Remember again, the first story is when it actually occurred. The second story is when Aaron tells it over to Moshe. We don't translate the second story. Why not? Number one, number one, because it's not necessary. We don't have to say the story of the sin of the golden calf again. We just translated it the first time. The second time it says the is because Aaron says to Moshe, I threw the gold into the fire and this Egel came out. I will say, what does it sound like when you say this Egel came out? What does it sound like? Sounds like the Egel had a life of its own, that it really was a deity. Says the Gemara, that's another reason we don't translate this phrase or this, this section. Because the way Aaron spoke is it sounds like he's ascribing power to the golden calf. And therefore the Gemara says just in general, be careful what you say. 
because sometimes a slip of the tongue or sometimes not being, being imprecise with your words could allow people to walk away with flawed ideas and the Ajah. We know this all the time. This is Chachamim Hizaru B'divreichem. Be wise and be precise with your words. Because if you're not precise, ultimately, again, you could lead people to walk away with erroneous perceptions. So we'll stop over here today. Incredible Gemara, incredible, incredible Gemara. Merit Hashem will continue with it tomorrow. Shkayak, everyone.